great to have you here today. You're actually uh, one of my, my idol that uh, through this um, journey of mine, I've learned from you as my mentor. You created the, the name of the podcast for me. I'm really grateful for teaching me and uh, guiding me. So as you know, uh, I'll be talking about be happy, healthy and wealthy. So um, the, I've learned from you um, about your book, Money. Uh, it's really a take book. You are sort of like a guru of wealth. So I kind of wanted to ask you, what are your top tips that you can give my audience uh, regarding money? The first thing I think is that you've got to learn to um, appreciate and love money because what you appreciate appreciates. So if you don't love and appreciate money for all that it does well, you're probably always going to have a bad relationship with it. So you would probably love a hammer if you had a, a nail that was hard to get into a piece of wood and your only other alternative was your hand. You would probably love to have a hammer. It would make the job easier. Well, this is what money is. It's an effective tool that makes many things in your life easier. Travel, choice, time, good education for your kids, good healthy food and living. It makes your life quicker. It reduces the friction in your life. It can buy your time, which of course is our most precious asset. So many people in British society have a, a strange relationship with money where there's a lot of guilt and shame around it. They believe that they're not worthy of it unconsciously or they feel others might judge them if they've got good amounts of it. So they unconsciously repel it. They don't understand that it's just a neutral, universal medium of exchange. And when you realise it's just a tool and that we all project our own values, beliefs and opinions onto it, and you transcend the judgment of it and of others with it, then you just free yourself to create fair exchange. A fair exchange environment is where you're offering your time, your product, your service to others, and you're getting paid fairly and handsomely for it. And you're grateful for the work that you do and the money you receive. And they're grateful for the work that you do and the money that you give. Mm. And I know that, you've got happy as well as wealthy in your concept for your show, Irene. Mm. So, you know, there is such a thing as happy money and money that you can be grateful to receive and to give. And when you have gratitude around money, that's kind of two birds with one stone. Mm. Because I actually think a lot of people's happiness is linked to not having much money. You know, they say money doesn't make you happy. I argue it makes you more happy. All things mm. the same. Because remember, it's a tool. It's an effective tool for leverage. So um, you're going to be happier using a hammer than you are your hand to hammer in a nail. Therefore, you're going to be happier to have money and use that as effectively as a tool than if you're not. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's lovely top tip there. Now, Rob, I think some of my audience, a lot of them could be healthcare professionals, 
uh, coaches, they may not really know you because you are, you know, property uh, mogul. So are you able to just tell all your credential, your background, your story from, you know, when you are in debt, how you took on this journey to get to where you are and where you want to go? For you, Irene, I will, but I hate doing this. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. Or in your book, I remember I you said that. This... I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I, I know, yeah. But just for my audience, because they, they don't know how big you are. And uh, you see, the thing is, from where you were to where you are now and where you're going, it's going to encourage them and really uh, to tell them that anything is possible. Yes. So I'll tell you what. I'll do this, the, the CV brag bit <laughs> just for you, Irene. <laughs> Thanks, um, Rob. So in, in December 2005, I was around about £50,000 in consumer debt. Um, I had credit cards and car loans. It was terrible with money. And um, my dad had a nervous breakdown in his pub in front of all of his customers, his family, me, my sister, my mum. And he's really probably some of his customers were his only real remaining friends. And he was arrested and sectioned by the police and beaten up by the police and taken to ward, ward five of the hospital. And um, he was diagnosed with manic depression. Mm. And um, in and around that moment, it wasn't just in that moment, but it was for many weeks after, um, I felt intense amount of shame and self-loathing because I felt I was part responsible, Irene, because my dad had put me through school, paid for me to go to a private school, much to his hardship, put me through college and university, bought my, you know, helped me buy my first car, my first house. Mm. And I was nearly 26 and I was broke and I was living in his pub and I was working in a job I didn't like. And my dad was only really giving me a job because I'm his son. He didn't really think it was for me and after let's say a couple of weeks of just hating myself quite honestly I, I realized that nothing would change unless I did and I realized I didn't actually have a lot to lose anymore um, and that what's the worst that could happen if I go to a property networking event or read these books business and money books they've been telling me to read or mm. you know, go to a, a business seminar and see if there's a business opportunity I can get into. You know, all these things that I'd seen, but I just rubbished as a scam um, when I was sceptical and negative. So I did. I went to this property networking meeting and the very first one I went to at the end of the meeting, I met my current business partner of today, 16 years, and we're still business partners. And we have tens of millions of pounds worth of property and 1,250 tenants, I think, in our property management business. A good percentage of those are tenants in the properties that Mark and I own outright ourselves. Mm. We have the UK's largest property training company, Progressive Property, and we have Progressive Success, a business training company. I think I've written 18 books. Um, many of them are property related. Many are co-written and the last six, I think, are business-related. Life, leverage, and money are probably the two most popular. Um, I held the world record for the longest public speech. I broke that. And then I broke the team world record twice. 
Um, my podcast Disruptors is number two now in the charts and seven years in and nearly a thousand episodes. And I've interviewed many billionaires and some of the most famous and interesting and controversial people on the planet. Yeah, I, I have my membership site, Rob.team, that has nearly 10,000 members now. I also have a podcast called Money. So, you know, things are a lot better now. I'm 43 than when I was 27. Yeah, and that's the, that's the short version, Irene. Just Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. So do you think, uh, so for you, are you happy now? That is the most difficult question to answer. Right now, I'm grateful to be talking to you, Irene, and your audience, mm. um, especially after we had the initial tech issues, but we sorted them. Mm. And so in this present moment, I feel grateful. And you can only be happy in the present moment. Mm. Because if you look back in the past with regret and remorse mm. and guilt and shame, then you're not happy. Even if you're surrounded by millions of pounds and supercars and naked men or women, whatever you're into, <laughs> you can have everything around you. But if you're not happy in the present moment, then you're not happy. And then also, if you're always looking into the future with envy or feeling like you should be doing better or more or that your life should be somehow different, then you're not happy. Mm. Um, but happiness is a transient emotion, Irene. Mm. It, unfortunately, it's not a, um, an evergreen state. I mean, I know that the, the Zen Buddhist monks do a lot of meditation and you know, are able to sort of be into happiness states for a long time. But that's a great deal of sacrifice that most people can't make meditating 20 hours a day just to feel happiness more often than not. Mm. You know, if your children come home from school and they've had a hard day, you'll feel their pain if you're a mother. Mm. If you've um, had a bad day in the office, you've fallen out with your boss or your company has had some challenges, you're going to feel that as a company owner or an employee. You know, if you've got trauma that keeps coming up, you're, that's going to repeat. So what I believe happiness is, is a transient emotion of which there are many transient emotions, hmm. um, Irene. I mean, happiness, there's elation, arousal. There's contentment, satisfaction, excitement. That's you know, there's just five. I could, if, if I got the thesaurus out, could probably list down 30 to 40 different definitions of happiness. Is it contentment? Is it fulfillment? Is it overcoming a big challenge and, and which was preceded by a lot of pain? So the reason I didn't just say, yes, I'm happy, Irene, is because in, in every day I have moments of contentment, moments of satisfaction, moments of fulfillment, also moments of frustration, moments of challenge, moments of difficulty and moments of stress. There's distress, which is negative stress. There's eustress, which is positive stress. And I try and turn negative stress into positive stress. No matter what happens every day, there's the balanced range of emotions. So the problem with seeking eternal happiness is that will make you very depressed because you're chasing a naive fantasy, an illusion, a delusion, which is impossible because uh, happiness is just one of our emotions. And we have our emotions as a way to 
manage the environment. Our emotions are feedback as to whether we're safe and secure or whether we're at threat. We react to situations with an emotion of which one of them is happy. Um, one thing I will state though, and this is the short answer, is that I believe I'm on mission. My mission is to help as many people on this planet get better financial education and knowledge. Rob.team has nearly 10,000 members. I have 2 million people who follow me on social media and all my databases. And they're all following me or listening to me because they're wanting better financial education and knowledge and they believe that I can help them. And that makes me feel very fulfilled. That I'm mattering and meaning and making a difference to that many people. And I actually think that's one of the strongest senses of happiness. You know, I feel happy when I have a Costa coffee. I felt happy when my, my um, daughter came and sat and watched Star Wars with me. But these are fleeting and they, they come and they go. But that sense of deep fulfillment that you're on mission, doing something useful and meaningful, that is a, an enduring, that is the longest form of happiness I think that we're going to feel. Ah, you've defined happiness for me. I was just about to ask you that. And you've actually already answered the question, what's the secret to happiness? It's, it's a decision. It's your choice. And it's not depend on circumstances. Right, okay. Um, Irene, can I just make a statement on that? I think that what you've said there is very powerful, but it takes a lot of practice. Mm. So you're right in that, we can choose to react how we want. But imagine if your child is crossing the road and they got hit by a lorry and they were squashed in front of you. That would be hard to make that choice to be happy in that moment because you would feel a hell of a lot of pain. Mm. And in that moment, maybe feeling that pain would be the right feeling. Mm. But three or four or five years down the line, you could choose to turn that into something more deep and meaningful, like you're going to set up a children's charity or you're going to live a fulfilling life in memory of your child. So I know that's an extreme example, but the point is that sometimes life happens and it's really hard and there's trauma, mm. present or past. And, and that, that takes a lot of work to turn that around, but it can be done. You can choose you can't always choose what happens to you, but you can always choose how you respond to it. Mm. Um, and, and to do that, Irene, you need to be very aware of what your emotions are and where they're coming from. Mm. Sometimes you need to reframe them and change them and change the meaning by looking at the upside to the downside that you're feeling. But sometimes, Irene, you just need to sit in it and feel it. And, you know, I always used to hide from my negative emotions and I, that, that, you, you can turn to addictive behaviors when you're trying to hide from your mm. emotions. Mm. You go and drink, take drugs. You know, you might have um, sex or intimacy um, issues. You might seek adrenaline or hedonistic pleasure to hide the, the trauma and the pain. And something I've not been very good at in my whole life, and I've tried to practice in the last few years, Irene, is actually feeling that pain and sitting in it and not just trying to brush it under the carpet or turn to some addictive hedonistic experience to get rid of it temporarily. Um, and actually sometimes choosing to sit in it and feel it and making sense of it and letting it subside and seeing the meaning and the benefit for it, that can, you can train yourself to be much better at turning negative situations into positive outcomes. Wow, that's profound, isn't it? I, I remember teaching uh, from Tony, um, 
and also another guru on grief reaction. They also say that it's important to actually externalize and actually feel whatever that is going through, which is like, for example, you mentioned about, you know, tragedy happening and uh, causing the trauma and the grief and actually feeling it and going through the motion rather than just suppress it and pushing it down actually could cause more harm. So actually feeling it and going through the motion understanding what's going on and the emotion regulation is the most important thing that we could do. Yeah, thank you so much for that summary that you've just told me about all those things. I'm sure my audience really going to enjoy this uh, tactic. Now, we're going to go down to, I know you're still on a mission. You've got a bigger mission ahead of you. Now, are you contented with what you've got at the moment? No. Not by any stretch. I don't know that being content is actually a good thing. I think a lot of people are looking for contentment like it's a good thing. But to me, even if I am content in a moment, I'm not content for very long and then I'm bored and then I'm eating my hands looking for something else to do. So, no, I'm I'm not very good at smelling the roses and Maybe if I sit and think about some of the things I've achieved in my little life, maybe some of those things I should be more proud of or I should appreciate myself for more. But a mission is about looking forwards, not looking backwards. And a mission is about what you've yet to do, not what you've done. Um, so now I'm, I'm not a content person. I don't think I ever have been. There's things about myself I've learned to love and, or, or like more. And at times when things are hard, I'm more able to see the good in the hard times and appreciate that it could be a lot worse. And, you know, my hard life might be someone else's best life, especially if they're born to tragedy or abuse or in developing countries and poor countries. So in that regard, I try and stay connected to the fact that I've got a bloody good life and I love my life and I've got a really meaningful mission and I'm really enthused to be getting on with it and getting bloody busy and, you know, ranting on social media and annoying people with my mission. Um, but no, I'm not content at all. And I don't think I ever will be. You've, you've kind of answered because I was about to ask you, how do you balance you know, contentment with your drive, but obviously you say you're not content. Then obviously the other opposite way, it's that's how it drives you to be where you are and where you want to be, isn't it? So what, what are your future goals? Well, I mean, I want to help hundreds of millions of people get better financial education and knowledge and understand how the system works and play the system at its own game to your advantage. That's what I want to do. And then whether that's 100,000 Rob.team members or 50 books or 10,000 podcast episodes or a hundred billionaires, not a couple of dozen that I've interviewed or more companies. I'm not overly stressed about the particular company structure. You know, I'm not like some people who've got a, a passion for a specific product or service. M mine is that wider mission. Mm. I, I do have the Rob Moore Foundation which helps young and underprivileged people start meaningful businesses that change the world. So certainly would like to 
do more with that foundation, give more money away through my foundation. Um, but really, my future goals are all about getting the mission out to 100 million people, a billion people. Let's dream big. Even if of I course. did, even if I, I had a billion followers on TikTok, I still wouldn't be content. So we'll just keep going. So do you like uh, have a role model or do you compare yourself or, you know, look forward to being as big as maybe someone else you admire? Um, I'm trying to not do that. <laughs> so I have always in the last 16 years, at least, I mean, before when I was 27, I didn't admire anyone. I was just jealous and angry and bitter. And you think you are a drug dealer, you screw people, you rip people off, look at you. You think you're the big shirt, look at you and your suit with your Ferrari. Who do you think you are? And, you know, I was not, I mean, I never said it because I didn't like conflict. It's all in a voice. But um, I've been trying over the last few years to, not really too much compare myself to anyone else to try and unleash the best version of myself because I've learned a lot from a lot of people but in the end if you learn too much from too many people you can end up losing who you are mm. uh, well who am I mm. um, and, and you can get confused because you're taking a bit of everyone but then again you do want to own the traits of the greats so yeah I've been trying to to not do that i i mean i'm inspired by people who are on a mission really mm. you know people who are making waves and being disruptive and mm. um growing fast and yeah i i i'm I, i'm inspired by elon musk and his his contrarian disruptive attitude to <laughs> running companies and i love his there's a humor and a um childish playful element to his social media commentary which I really like can't be easy to do when you got that much pressure um John Demartini is probably the person who's given me the most I suppose balanced wisdom Arnold Schwarzenegger I find mm. very inspiring mm. I was always inspired by Oprah but I think she did a terrible job interviewing Meghan Markle um mm. terrible through the Royal family under the bus and was Mm. extremely one-sided in her um interview yeah. um although one bad interview doesn't make a bad person so I'm still going to say Oprah rocks mm. yeah you mentioned all this that uh, you were reading a lot of books uh 520 I think I remember you mentioned I'm sure that was many years ago when you wrote your money book and you said that you are reading less in a sense because you felt that uh, you're becoming wanted to becoming your authentic, your authentic self. And is that uh, you are, I think you mentioned that you're focusing more on autobiography and people you encourage, that, uh, that you, you're encouraged to follow. And is that uh, what is your goal to continue to um, create things that is original or you, would you just like to Look at what other people are doing. So I do think that it's important to be inspired by others because we're all inspired by others in some way. They're either lifting us up or dragging us down. We're all impressionable, uh, malleable. And so being around the right people who are where you want to be, who are inspiring, who are inspired, who, are, who have traits of greatness in them, 
I think that's really important. And over the last 15 years, because I've really got two parts of my life, pre-2005 and post-2005, I've learned a lot from a lot of people, yes. But, I mean, I did get to the point where I'd, I'd read, stroke, listened to 3,000 plus books or, or podcasts. And I, I did start to feel a bit like I'm just doing it for the sake of ticking boxes of listening to all the books. And I did start to wonder if I was losing a bit of my own self in the process of being a bit of a bastard of everybody else. Um, but maybe we are all a bit of a Frankenstein of everyone else anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've backed off consuming. I create a lot of content, Irene, as you know. Mm. Mm. Um, and so that doesn't leave a huge amount of time to consume. And yeah, I've, I've backed off. Since lockdown, I've consumed a lot less. I've probably consumed 10 books a year. Yeah. 10, you know, five, 10 podcasts. It, it, that's it. Mm. Obviously, keeping in touch with what's going on in the world. But, um, and I have done a couple of courses because I think it's always important to learn specific tactics, you know, something specific you want to learn or like, you know, I do a martial art and, you know, obviously... I'm not going to not do a martial art just because I want to be authentic, true to myself, because I can learn to be good at a skill from someone else. But when lockdown happened, there was so much overwhelm of having a million things to fix and a million fires and emergencies to put out that I didn't really need books because I was doing at least 15, 16 hours a day of crisis management <laughs> in my own companies. So I was getting the best education I can get. I mean, I really believe you can learn in books and I believe you can learn from mentors. I really do. You can mm. save yourself a lot of mistakes by getting mentors. Mm. But when you're going through it all day, every day, and you're on the, you know, you're on the shop floor or you're on the front line, you learn fast. Mm. So, um, you know, what the government have done to our country for the last two and a half years, as much as it really pisses me off a lot of the, terrible decisions and the huge wastage of money like the hundreds mm. of billions of wasted money that we're all yes for. but it's been a fantastic education and you could read a thousand books and not learn what you've learned in the last two and a half years so yeah I am reading less at the moment I, I go through phases Irene so next time mm. we talk I might be doing 10 more again yeah. a week on two times speed um but yeah I, I'm just trying to think okay what are the three or four main things I want to achieve this year, next year, year after? Does listening to three books a week help that or not? Do I know what I've got to do? Because mm. sometimes when you don't know what you've got to do or you don't know how to do it, you've got to go and seek out the knowledge in books and people. But right now I know what I've got to do over the next two years. I know I've got two, three, four simple jobs. Um, I've just got to get them done. Yeah, so, so what I was about to get at then is you've mentioned about the secrets in helping yourself to create more content is actually experiencing crisis and putting uh, fire off. And also, what uh, would be your advice to uh, my audience on how to create content, how to get the inspiration beside reading books and experience? Okay, so number one, reading books. Number two, living your life and gaining experience. You've just covered those. The, the third one would be to check the news every day and see what 
everyone is getting worked up and emotional about and linking your content to that. Mm. It's called newsjacking. And most of my best content ends up being linked to something in the news at the time. Mm. That's a really good way of creating content. And the good good thing about that is there's news every day, Irene. So people Mm. who struggle with regular daily content but know that it would benefit them, Mm. well, um, just check the couple of different news sources every morning and every afternoon. You'll have more than enough content. Mm. Um, Really good, interesting discussions with people. So um, going on podcasts like this or interviewing people on podcasts like this and having extended and lengthy conversations with people will definitely trigger, it could be half a dozen or more Mm. good solid ideas for for content. Um, I think I actually know about 21 ways. There's a module in Rob.team. Well, it's actually a masterclass. I think it's good four hours long. Mm. on the 21 ways to create great content. Um, and that's how you write your books as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do access many of the different types of creating content for the variety because, you know, I do dozens of pieces of content a day, Irene, and to do that, you know, you've got to have a lot of sources of information and inspiration. And many people struggle to do just one piece a day. Mm. So, you know, and the you discipline. Want- yeah, the discipline, but also the inspiration and the ideas mm. that some people just find that a bit harder or they've convinced themselves that it's hard. Good. Yeah. Right. OK, now we go to health. So do you think that uh, you're healthy? You lead a healthy life? I mean, you look really healthy. <laughs> um, I think so. I, I have a few um, weaknesses sugar being the main one and I'm trying to (laughs) I've been spending many years trying to wean myself off and I'm in a current phase of no dessert no sweet snacks um there's sugar in so much food now and I know that that is a real issue Mm. Um, and so I would say sugar aside I, I don't drink I don't have sugar in any drinks I rarely drink alcohol um I think my supplements and my vegetable intake is really good. Good. Um, I um, I have significantly increased protein because some expert friends of mine say as you get into your 40s and plus, you need to increase your protein to stop your muscle atrophy. That's right, yeah. Um, so I, ex- I, I exercise quite regularly. I do get migraines, and that's one thing that um, – it comes and goes and I haven't quite figured out why. Mm. Um, so that can disrupt my routine, but I do breathing exercises and cold showers. I walk pretty much every day. Wow. Um, I think I've got a relatively good mind in terms of not allowing myself to be too stressful. I'm a high intake of vegetables. So I try and cover most of the bases. Um, and, and I don't mind anything in a bit of moderation. So I'll have a glass of champagne once or twice a week with my wife. I used to be teetotal for many years. Mm. But actually, I get quite a got good bit of benefit out of that because I feel quite tipsy for an hour. But I don't, <laughs> don't get a hangover. And, you know, some people say they're all or nothing. We well, don't know. You could have one glass. Why mm, can't? Yeah, one glass. Um, I've found that one and a half glasses makes me feel good. Two will give me a headache. So I don't ever have more than one and a half. So, um. I, yeah, and I train, but I'm not a nutter in the gym. Mm. 
you know, I, I probably train slightly within myself. I do the martial art, like I said. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the thing with health is you can be fine today and wake up tomorrow and you've been diagnosed with something pretty nasty. I've just had that's happened to a couple of people in my staff mm. who are really ill and not long mm. ago they didn't think they were. So you should never take health for granted. Mm. Um, and it's become more of a focus as I've got older. Mm. Um, yeah, but what I've also found is when I'm too extreme, it's not sustain sustainable for me. Mm, mm, a balance mm. so yeah I like to do these challenges every now and again and get lean and ripped or um mm. you know just be super healthy and do loads of exercise and have two cold showers a day and then <laughs> when it gets it gets to the point where you can't keep it up anymore and then mm. after what can happen is you can end up breaking your own routine and then going back to scratch so I'm trying to maintain a I, maybe a bit more slow and steady is okay. Maybe three or four workouts a week is fine instead of six for six weeks and then nothing for three weeks. Right. Okay. So now people always say this phrase health is well, what do you think of that? Um, I agree, but not for the reasons that people think. So when they say health is wealth, I think the reason people say that is because health rhymes with wealth. They don't say, <laughs> they don't say health is money because mm. health doesn't rhyme with money mm. it's like fake it till you make it they don't if, if it was fake it till you arrive they wouldn't say it so in some ways it's just a bit of a cheesy <laughs> cheesy soundbite um but but the origin of the word wealth actually means well-being mm. um wheel the word wheel of wealth and health is well-being definitely and actually money is well-being because you can live well mm. so health and money yes can be translated into wealth and if you want to live long and and wealth by definition is well-being to live long you need mm. your health um and i think you can have health and wealth and you don't need to sacrifice your health for your wealth do you do any special diet or special uh exercise you know weightlifting or look do you have me. a health coach I, i'm not look at me where's the muscles <laughs> you're tall yeah but that's genetic um that's not through hard work one thing i i really enjoy doing um and i think it's really useful is olympic rings mm. so i have olympic rings and i'm not exactly a gymnast don't you know but um, there's lots of exercises you can do on the Olympic rings, um, even assisted by putting your feet on the ground and still doing things like dips, pull-ups. Mm. Um, so, yeah, if you had to take everything away and only leave me with one piece of equipment, I'd probably say Olympic rings. And I think male, female, strong or just beginning, I think you can do a lot of exercises on the Olympic rings and you can get to the point where if you do your own body weight stuff, it's obviously very intense. Um, in terms of diet, I have a smoothie in the morning and I put almonds, um, colloidal minerals, mm. 50 grams of protein, um, ginger, turmeric, cinnamon, yeah. um, coconut milk, 
blueberries, raspberries, cherries, banana, ice. I immediately drink all my green powder supplements before mm. and I have NAD and NMN. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, that... Um, A secret. I, <laughs> that, um, <laughs> that definitely... I've I that makes me feel very good um yeah and that's that's my like breakfast I'm I'm trying to do the sort of 14 hour fast where you eat at 6 p.m and then not again until 8 a.m um and I'm I'm having mixed results with that because I do like to eat um but yeah there's some things I'm working on right now excellent okay Right. Okay. Now people say that to be uh, healthy, you need lots of money. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's true. Um, I actually don't think many people say that. I don't think they understand it, but um, imagine if you had a really nasty illness and there was a six month waiting list on the NHS, but you were wealthy and you could afford to go to Harley street and get an immediate operation with, you know, a very, very um, top surgeon that would be a good thing, I guess, for your health. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you look at the, his- the history over time, wealthy people live the longest because they can afford all of the um, latest advancements in health and science and research. They can afford the good food. They yes. can afford the personal trainer. Um, so actually, I think if you really respect your health, you should respect your wealth. Uh, um, yeah. I, I don't even want to tell you how much we spend a month on food and supplements. I mean, you know, my wife takes it to another level. Honestly, I rattle every morning with all the pills she's sticking down. I mean, oh, I take about 10 pills as well. I didn't tell you that. So there's all the, the oils and everything else that she's got me on. Oh, um, lovely. Yeah. She's looking so, after you. Yeah, she is. I'm her insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, yeah. yeah, so I, I think that wealth does help health yeah absolutely good good i can see that you obviously you're spending money on the anti-aging supplements as well <laughs> you know which are very expensive i'm sure you well, know that i've never had botox or any cosmetics not that i look young but i've never had any of that so um yeah no, the, the anti-aging i'm talking about is you know all those different supplements you are taking because they're yeah. not cheap you know no they're not so how no. many hours do you sleep um, sleep, I think, if I were to summarize the things as a, you know, an entrepreneur who's trying to get the most out of life, I'm not sitting here as a guru of all things, but as an mm. entrepreneur trying to get the most out of life, I think the single most important things are your sleep, mm. your stress management, yep. your exercise and diet for your health. Now, we can all rank them in order and maybe it's an individual thing. Mm. If I get five hours sleep, mm. I will probably get a migraine the next day. And if not, I will have a banging head and my brain will be fuzzy and it might take me two days to probably recover. Mm. I, it feels like I've got a hangover, Irene, even though I haven't even had a drink. So I would have to rank sleep 
as the single most important thing for health. And like it's become all of a sudden really popular, hasn't it? And all these gurus have written books. Professor. On why we sleep. For fuck's sake, why do you need to write a book on why we sleep? Prof Walker gave a lot of information in there. Well, maybe, but it's to me, it's always been obvious. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't get um, a good amount and a good quality of sleep. And surely it's your own intuitive common sense to work out how much you need mm. um, and just listen to your body. And for me, it's probably seven and a half hours on average, I'd say. You know, it's not five. I wish it was. <laughs> I could get yeah, a lot more yeah. done. But I, yeah. I need a, I need good sleep. I really do. I'm active. My brain's always on. I work every day. Don't mm. have a day off. Don't want a day off. Don't care about days off. Don't have holidays. Don't want holidays. I work because I love work. Mm. So um, yeah, That's I need. Seven, yeah, it is. So I need seven and a half hours sleep. And um, if I get five, I'm screwed. Mm. So I think sleep is probably the number one because you could go two days without eating. And you could probably still have all right energy. Obviously, you, you know, it wouldn't be great, but you couldn't go two days without sleep and have good energy. You no. miss two nights sleep in a row. Mm. Now, also, the you know, diet and exercise, people would argue which one's more important. Um, there are certainly people who don't exercise at all in their life and live for a long time. And there are people who eat the worst foods forever and live for a long time. But definitely think stress management is... I would say high levels of stress on a regular basis are more damaging than a bad diet and no exercise yeah. in, in my body and, and how my body feels. So I think it's in that order. Sleep, stress management, eating food, eating and exercise in, you know, whatever um, order you think is important. Do you have um, any mindset kind of um, technique that you use to de-stress? Yeah, look at the upside. If you're stressed, you're looking at the downside. Mm. So what's the upside? Look at the upside. Mm. There's always an upside. Yes. Why does this serve you? Why is this a gift? Why should you be grateful for this? What are you supposed to learn? Yeah. That's um, the single best thing. Right, okay. And the other next question is, you know, with be happy, healthy and wealthy. So it it's, can be a bit of a hard question here. What do you think is the top priority? healthy wealthy happy without your health you don't have the energy to earn or the energy to live and by the way health isn't just whether you're ill or well health is your energy and your vitality mm. so you can have nothing wrong with you but you're always tired mm. i wouldn't say that's particularly healthy mm. so definitely healthy first but healthy in terms of vital and energized and um productive happy happiness just isn't relevant mm. like happiness is a fleeting emotion it's mm. a, it's a it's an allure it's a dream it's like a lady who wants prince charming or a man who wants the perfect woman they don't exist you're dreaming um happiness in a evergreen state does not happen you're dreaming wake up from the dream mm. like John Demartini said to me, I gave up happiness a long time ago because it made me so damn depressed. And what he meant by that was the chasing for something you can never get is going to leave you very empty and unfulfilled. Mm. Um, so happiness is just not relevant. It's like mission is relevant. Mm. Life purpose and fulfillment is relevant. Happiness is just comes and goes.
Right. Okay. And uh, obviously, with all these uh, things that is going on with recession and all this problem with, you know, energy bill going up, you know, people are getting poorer. What would be your advice for the general population? Um, learn how the system works and learn how to do what the system does to your advantage for you. So the system is good at lending you money and getting interest on you. Mm. So you need to have assets that you gain interest on, mm. like the system does for you. Mm. The system takes your savings and invests it in assets that produce income. Mm. So you need to do the same. Mm. The system is a corporation. So you need to have a corporation. The system has billions of customers. So you need millions or hundreds at least of customers. The system breaks its own rules. So you need to have a company where you can make your own rules. And being an entrepreneur and having a company, there are ways to get your tax down and your earning up. So yeah, that's you've got to be an entrepreneur. You've got to have a at least one company that you you pay yourself first and you pay tax last and mm. um, you can offset your expenses within the company. Mm. And you've also got to understand that in a recession, there are winners as well as losers. In the mm. lockdown, there were winners as well as losers. Mm. There's always winners and losers. And the winners and losers just change. Regard, you know, with, with what's going on in the market cycle. So you need to look at where the new opportunities are. Is it social media? Is it short form content editing? Mm. Is it YouTubing? Is it building membership sites? Is it I'm buying real estate because the market's going to drop? You know, these are new opportunities that probably weren't as good before the lockdown and the upcoming recession. So it's all about seeing the new opportunity. You've actually answered my next question. I was about to say, usually people say during recessions, many millionaires are being made during those times. So mm. in, in this situation, with all these examples you've got, what would be your top three, the best investment that uh, is not going to cost too much money to start up, not going to be too risky during the recession? The top three. I'd launch a membership site. I'd probably buy some physical gold and I would get ready to get into property when the prices start to drop. Cause when they drop, they're going to go hard. Hmm. What do you think of digital currency? Depends if it's decentralized like Bitcoin. I like it's challenge of nature. If you're talking about a central digital currency from a one world bank, you can fuck off. <laughs> I'm not having it. No way. That's control on another control. level, which I would, I do not subscribe to in any way. Don't even get me started on all the things they'll be able to do. If there's a central digital mm. currency, that's it's good for the global elites. It's not good for most of society. Okay. So for property strategy, what do you think is the best strategy at the moment? It depends on your area, your amount of funds that you have. 
depends on the time that you can invest and your des- how hands-on you desire to be. Some okay. people absolutely love property and making beautiful homes. If you love property and making beautiful homes, you could turn properties into really nice short stay, mm. you know, serviced accommodation type. Mm. Some people love doing that. Mm. It really does depend. I like doing commercial develop conversion development. So mm. we just finished a 99 apartment block. Mm. Converted 99, you know, the above floors. I saw, the, yeah. I saw apartment. the building. Yeah. So don't forget good old fashioned single buy to let though, especially as the property prices go down. Mm. Um, yeah. Great. Okay. Right. One last question. Uh, maybe not, not the last, but anyway, just in case you you make me come up with more questions. Um, you mentioned, as you know, I'm a kind of money mindset coach and help people with their money mindsets. So you've kind of changed your money, money mindset quite drastically. What would be your best advice for people to change their money mindset? To maintain balance and order, we need positive and negative, left and right, up and down, right and wrong, good and bad, easy and hard. We need these polar opposites which create balance and without the opposites you have chaos so understanding the concept of fair exchange whereby you give and receive equally and the more you give the more you receive and the more gratefully you receive the more you receive and the more gratefully you give and you do the more that you receive Mm. what you appreciate appreciates So I spent some time pondering your question because I'd already said, learn to love and appreciate money. Yeah. But I would truly understand the concept of fair exchange. And if you want to make more money, you need to give more value to receive more money. And if you want more money, you need to gratefully charge a fair amount of money Mm. and shamelessly receive that fair amount of money and gratefully give the value in exchange for that money and charge what you're worth and know that that is valuable. And and all of those elements exist in a concept called fair exchange. Hmm. Lovely answer. Thank you, Rob. I've taken up so much of your time, really plenty of really golden gems and nuggets you've given us and really appreciate your time. My pleasure, and, thank yeah, you. thank you so much. Yeah, maybe there'll be episode two next time. Thank you so much, Rob. Bye bye. Bye.